You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into a Friday fun show edition of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here coming to you live from St. Martinville Senior High School on the campus of St. Martinville as the Southside Sharks will host the Sulphur Golden Tours later on this evening on Mustang 1071. But for now, for the next two hours, keeping you company here on Crunch Time, we've got a lot to dive into. Uh, the Houston Astros taking a monumental two games to none lead in the ALDS over the Seattle Mariners. Currently, looking at the other ALDS matchup, how about the Guardians leading the Yankees 4-2 to two in Game 2 of that series? The Yankees currently leading that series one game to none. Bring in my producer and co-host back at the Master Control Suite of Delta Media, Mr. James Mesh. James, what's going on, bud? What's happening, Matt? Not much, man. How are you? Doing all right on this fine Friday. Oh, man, it's it's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's pretty solid. Uh, some people call it a Chamber of Commerce day. You know, I've I've heard that a time or two today. So, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's true. I guess we got to go with it. Um, <laughs> but no, man, just looking at, at the things that you know we're gonna get to today. Obviously, it's a Friday, so we're gonna make our picks. Um, we're gonna be joined by Jake Crane in the second hour for Jake's takes we'll at four thirty. At 4.30, we're going to have Jacob Rudner join us for a uh, LSU Florida preview. But first off, you know, we didn't have a show yesterday because of the Astros. So here in this first segment, maybe the first segment and a half, James, I want to do two things. I want to recap the Astros' win from yesterday because, I mean, just how could you not a, a, a massive victory for the Astros. So we'll talk about that. And then, since we didn't get to do it yesterday, I'd like to have a conversation about the UL's, UL's win Wednesday night. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was, you want to talk about massive victories, that was one of them. Um, so we're going to get to that as well. If you want to get in on the hotline today, it's 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast. It's very simple. Stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Our poll question of the day. How many of our local teams will win this weekend? You have McNeese, the Saints, LSU. You could even consider the Astros in there in action. How many of our local teams win this weekend? One, two, three. Or are you going to be the negative person and say none? Uh, So far, 22% of people are being pretty negative. Uh, 22% are saying one, 22% are saying two, and then 34% are saying all three. We'll keep that up to date throughout today's show. Once again, if you want to get out on the hotline, it's 337-706-0111. But again, the Houston Astros yesterday taking down the Seattle Mariners 4-2. to two. It was a game 
that started off in the Astros' favor. Kyle Tucker getting a home run in the second inning to put the Astros up one to nothing. Framber Valdez had you know one of his typical performances. Uh, Framber pitched very well in this ball game. He uh, you know it started to get a little rattled later in his in his outing, but you know. First postseason start, Framberg goes five and two-thirds, gives up four hits, two runs. He struck out six. Uh, I thought he was very impressive, and even in a losing effort. I mean, you just you can't say enough about Luis Castillo for the Mariners. Seven innings, five hits. He gave up three, struck out seven. Threw 104 pitches, James, 104 of them. And of those 104, 30, uh, 73 of them were strikes. I mean, I just, I don't know. And then the other thing, talking about Castillo, you look at his his velocity numbers. As he went later and later into his outing, his speed and velocity got better. Like, even at pitch 98, 99, he was still hitting 100 miles an hour. I mean, that's just absurd to think about. It's almost like one of those running back types where they get stronger as the game goes along. Right. It's almost unhuman. It's very impressive to see. So definitely, you know, props to Luis Castillo for fighting like hell for the Mariners. But again, Kyle Tucker getting a home run in this game. And then in the fourth, Carlos Santana would ground to Framber Valdez. Framber trying to make the play going to home. Throwing error. Suarez comes in to score, and then you hung Carlos Santana out to dry between first and second. That tied the game up at one. And then also in the fourth, Dylan Moore would get Mitch Hanniger home on a RBI single to give the Mariners a two-to-one lead. And then in the bottom of the sixth, you know this story. It's happened for the second time already. Um, And James, the title of it is this. Who's your daddy? A two-run shot from Jordan Alvarez to score Jeremy Pena and make it a 3-2 game. And then in the eighth with Pena at second base, Alex Bregman hitting an RBI single to right field to score Pena, move Jordan Alvarez over to third, and the Astros would hang on to win 4-2, and they now hold a 2-0 lead in the ALDS. They travel today up to Seattle, and they will play the Mariners in T-Mobile Park tomorrow at 3.07 p.m. James, i got to ask you, now that it's 2-0, do you see the Mariners having a fighting chance in this series at all? I mean, if you want to look at it mathematically, yes. But at this point, they're done. I think at this point... The fact that the Mariners have lost twice now in really close games, you're now going back to your house. This is an elimination game, so you are you have to try and get at least one. I think they are able to win tomorrow to keep them alive, but I think when it comes to game four, it's done, cut it, game over, move on to the ALCS. Yeah, you know, tomorrow's going to be, be a different beast for both teams. I mean, you look at the Mariners, this is going to be their first home playoff game in 20 years. I mean, that place, Seattle is a, a passionate fan base. And so, you know, again, first playoff game in 20 years, they're going to be absolutely electric uh, tomorrow. Uh, I think I think they get the win 
on Saturday, but I agree with you. Game four, I, I think it's all over, and the Astros can prepare for either the Guardians or the Yankees, which, again, checking the score of that one, they are still in. They're going to the bottom of the 10th. The Gardeners, the Guardians lead 4-2, to two, so the Yankees will need two runs at least in this bottom of the 10th to keep that game going. Also in the bottom of the second, the Phillies and the Braves 0-0 in a 1-1 tied series. Um, looking at some headlines real quick, how about Tom Brady getting fined $11,000 for kicking Grady Jarrett? What, was, what was the exact fine? It was like $11,739. It was some. Was, it was some weird exact numbers. Like you couldn't just say like 11000 or 12000 $11,139. Yeah, why uh, Why so specific? Was there like... You according, to to NFL, according to NFL rules, the fine for kicking an opponent is $11,139 for the first offense. If there's a second offense, the seven-time Pro Bowler will be fined an additional $16,444. There's got to be some kind of formula. That they, I was going to, like I said, I don't, I don't get it, though. No. Why not I, just round I, it, it up or round it down to make it a more even number? Yeah. Why, why 16.5 or, you know, leave it at 11,000? Well, I mean, if, really if you really want to be those guys, just go to 12. Yeah. Fine out 12,000 I mean, for being number 12. Is, is the NFL really hurting for that $139? I don't think so. Um. So, yeah, you know, it, it's good to see Brady get punished because you kind of get to the point where you, you feel like Brady's the, the golden child constantly being protected by the league. Uh, so it, it, It's it, so it, funny with that hit because when you watch it, Grady's the one that braces the hit. He's the one that lands on the ground first. He, right. He's the, he's the meat shield for the ground. He protects Brady, if anything. That's what's so funny about how this call was made was like, you're calling unnecessary roughness or well was it was unnecessary roughness, right? Yeah. It was like you're you're calling unnecessary roughness. If anything, it was like unnecessary protectiveness for the QB because he didn't hit hit the ground and so Grady was already there. He already he took the blunt force of the hit. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Um so just a just a weird situation there for Tom Brady. Um and, you know, we're, we're going to talk later about our, our picks, but I saw an article today about the Bills-Chiefs game on Sunday. And, James, I don't know if you remember this, but when the Chiefs went to select Patrick Mahomes in 2017, yeah. they had to trade up to do it. Yeah. The Saints were going to pick him at 11, but, right, but right. Kansas City traded up at 10 to go select him. So they were like, well – is either Mahomes, we're leaning towards Mahomes, but our backup plan at this point, since we're at pick ten, was is Lattimore. also Lattimore. Oh, we just we got jumped. Okay, well, I guess we'll just pick Lattimore. So, do you remember who was at ten in twenty seventeen? Oh man. Okay, so I'm really struggling. I know the Bears traded up from three to two. The Forty ers went from two to three. Uh, it was the Bills. 
It was the Bills? It was the Bills. Interesting. So the the trade was the Chiefs get the 10th pick, the Bills get the number 27 pick, and that's where they the got the number 91 White. pick, and then the 2018 first rounder. And yeah, they ended up getting Tredavious White with that 27th pick. And then the 91st pick, they ended up trading it to the Rams. And then the um that pick in the the 2018 first rounder, they ended up getting Tremaine Edmonds with that pick. So you get Tremaine Edmonds, you get Tredavious White, and then a little bit later on in, in 2019, you drafted Josh Allen. Did the Patrick Mahomes trade work out for the Bills? I mean, to me, with that trade, because of everything that happened, you get a solid linebacker. You got your number one corner. You got a top corner when he's healthy. You got a you got a pretty then, solid linebacker, and then you traded the other. You had traded what the third? You had traded the third rounder to the Rams. And I mean, because yeah. of how you were doing, you just kind of sucked. And then in two years later, you're like, okay, well, let's just go get a project guy, but has hell of potential. And he he's hit that hell of a potential a lot earlier than uh, than many people expected. Uh, Josh Allen has been fantastic through his NFL career thus far. Uh, so once again, we're going to make our picks in the second hour. We're going to talk to Jake Crane at the top of the second hour, and then we're going to talk to Jacob Rudner at 4.30 with a preview of LSU and Florida in the Swamp. Brian Kelly versus Billy Napier. That should be a fun matchup that you can hear tomorrow right here on the game. We are going to take a timeout, but before we do that, the Tesh Project is hosting the Shake Your Tail, Your Trail Feather Paddle Parade and Party in the Park on October 22nd. A pair of live cage and bands will escort paddlers as they float from the Poche Bridge to Bro Bridge from 10 to noon. After the paddle parade, there will be a free celebration at Park to Point, Embro Bridge, from 11.30 to 2 with Horace Trahan and the Austin Express. There will also be kids' activities, foods and dr- food and drinks, bird costume prizes, and a kayak raffle. Come paddle or join the fun with the Tesh Project on October 22nd, Embro Bridge. And for more information, you can visit teshproject.org. We'll take a time out when we return. James and I will talk about the Cajuns game, and we'll get you set for the rest of the weekend right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. If you're looking for a tuxedo, a suit, maybe you're getting married, maybe you're headed to a Mardi Gras ball in a couple of months, let me tell you about Suit Up. They've got great tuxedos, suits for all occasions. They do wedding party specials all the way down to simple sportswear. Professional service, they're going to measure you every time you step foot in the building to make sure that your jacket, pants, everything fits perfectly for whatever you need it for. And no matter where you are in southwest Louisiana, they have three locations to serve you. One in Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey, one in New Iberia on Admiral Doyle Drive, 
and then now open in Lake Charles across from the Prion Lake Mall. Guys, Southern Marsh, you need dress socks, Johnston and Murphy shoes, whatever you need, it is there for you at Suit Up. Once again, three locations, Lafayette, New Iberia, and Lake Charles. And when you go, tell them that Crunch Time sent you. 21 after the hour here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, the Cajuns taking down Marshall 23-13 to on Wednesday night. The Cajuns outscoring Marshall 20-6 to in the fourth quarter. Was this their biggest win of the season? It's been the biggest one so far. I mean, you you were you were being such a big worry work on Wednesday, and I told you that the one QB, and it was your guy, the one that you wanted. I think he's going to show you and show Coach Dez that he needs to start. And the fact that they still didn't have a running game, and they were still able to win, and Woolridge was able to be solid and be able to get the win, that shows a lot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think Ben was. Was outstanding. 17 of 30, 230 yards, two touchdowns. Also had 45 yards on the ground. Um, he did exactly what I said he would do for this offense. He played fearlessly. Uh, he made the plays that he needed to make. He found receivers open over the middle. Um, one thing I loved is there was a couple of moments where he would take off on a run and he would run towards the Marshall sidelines and he'd get pushed out of bounds or, or whatever it may be. And, man, every time he was on that sideline, he came up talking trash to the Marshall coaches and players and anybody that was right there. I love that. I love that. There's a difference between talking trash and being disrespectful. Talking trash is part of sports. You can talk trash and be respectful about it. Um, so absolutely love that. Um, you know, Michael Jefferson had a great game, three catches, 71 yards, including that 32-yard touchdown. I thought the defense played outstanding. You know, you look at it, sure, Kalen Laburn had 120 yards, but, you know, the passing game for, for Marshall couldn't do anything. Um, the Cajuns dominated the turnover margin again. You know, even on the first downs, Pretty even on the time of possession. Marshall had the ball for three and a half minutes longer than the Cajuns. Biggest stat that stands out to me, James, how about five sacks for the Cajuns' defense? Yeah. That was that was very necessary in, in this game. Um, you also kept the penalties to a minimum, only six for the Cajuns. So, I mean, all, all in all, I, I thought the Cajuns played a really, really clean game. Um, obviously, there's still a lot that can be worked on. There's no question about that. Um, but, you know, good mid midweek national television win. Now you get another 10 days. Well, now it's eight days. But from the game, it's 10 days before you play again against Arkansas State. So even more time for guys like Chris Smith who are banged up to get healthy. Uh but, you know, you, you alluded to it right off the top of this segment. I think the Cajuns found their quarterback. And they need to run with him. They need to yeah. stick with him the whole time. And another stat that really stood out to me from this game was Layburn had well over 100 yards, was doing really good on the – had a really good average, scored the two touchdowns for Marshall. But the biggest thing overall was the fact that 
the Cajuns defense, they may have given up a 42-yard pass to Corey Gamage. But overall for the running game, it was a long of 12, 10, 5, 5, 2, and 6. I mean, the fact that you're not giving up any really big explosive runs and keeping yourself within the game and not gassing yep. yourself out, that gave yourself a chance. Oh, it was huge. It was huge. Um, you know, you talk about Kalen Labor and 26 carries, 120 yards. Your next highest rusher was your backup quarterback. Cam Fancher came in in relief of Henry Columbia, who, who went out with what appeared to be a concussion. Uh, five carries, only 10 yards. I mean, that was your, that was your second rusher uh, of the game. Uh, so huge performance again by the Cajuns defense. I thought they ran, you know, some good – they had some good play calls in this game. Ne getting Neil Johnson involved I think was huge. You know, you looked at it late in the game. How about Lance Lejean going on that uh, – on that end around, I mean, he just looked like a freight train right there towards the end of the game. I think that's something that the Cajuns could use down the backstretch of this season. But now, you know, you look at it, now you're 3-3, three and three, and you're, you know, back in, in contention, really, when you think about it, because you're, you're listed as, as sixth in the division. But there's a three-way tie for fourth at one and two. If Troy slips up to South Alabama, Troy becomes two and two. So you're you're hanging in there as well. Texas State's one and one. South Alabama's the only team undefeated in the Sun Belt West. So I mean, if South Alabama slips up to a team or two here and there, you still have to play Troy. You still have to play Arkansas State. You still have four. Western Division games to play. So the Cajuns aren't out of it yet. They're just going to need some help from the teams around them. Um, so, you know, 3-3, three and three, halfway through, there, there's no reason w if this team continues to play the way that they played Wednesday night and the way that they played against Eastern Michigan. If you can see that on a more you know repetitive basis, this could be a 7-win team. Which, which I think has has become the goal for for this program with what with what's happened so far early in the year. James, do you agree? Oh yeah, I, I agree. I still think they're in this. I mean, you got a very winnable game in my eyes against Arkansas State next week. Looking at the rest of the schedule itself, I mean, you feel solid about it. You were talking about Troy earlier. There's a chance with that. I don't know how to feel about Florida State. They've been really good this year. I'm so no, Florida, I, Florida State's an L. Yeah, I, I agree. I just. To me, I still wonder about the Seminoles and how solid they've been this year, and yet they weren't ranked, but LSU was. That that one confused me. I understand that there may be an LSU bias, but, I mean, shoot. Before, before losing to Wake Forest, who is a really good program, and then falling short to number 14, NC State, they are 4-0. Right. Yeah, and, you know, Florida State's got a good one against Clemson this weekend, so uh, yeah. that'll be... That'll be fun. But, you know, again, I think the Cajuns desperately needed this one because if you didn't get this one, you were 2-4 and four on a four-game losing streak and you were 0-3 in the Sun Belt for the first time in 20 years. I think that would have created a lot of issues 
uh, for, for this program. So definitely needed this one to get back on track. Uh, I know Michael Desermo is very pleased with with the performance of Ben Woolridge as well as his defense. And one thing that I thought was pretty cool, so this game was played in Huntington, West Virginia. Now this was Ben Woolridge's first career start. So when he found out, you know, late last week that he was going to be the starter, he called his mom in California and his mom bought a plane ticket and flew across the country to watch Ben make his first career start. Which, you know, those stories are always just fantastic. And, uh, you know, in the post-game press conference, Ben was talking about it, and he got super emotional talking about it. So that was, you know, a, a touching moment, no question. Uh, but again, you know, Ben Woolridge, in, in my opinion, he has to be the guy going forward. I mean, the offense has looked the best it has all season under him. So... The Cajuns, once again, they will return to Cajun Field at Our Lady of Lords Stadium next weekend to play Arkansas State in their Louisiana Salutes game. They will wear their all-black uniforms for that one, and kickoff is set for 4 p.m. in that one. With a 2 to nothing lead in the ALDS, the Houston Astros will look to close out the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, and you can listen to the matchup between AL West rivals on our sister station, Newstalk 98.5. Astro launch starts at 2.37, with first pitch set for 3.07. Tune in Saturday for Astros at Mariners on our sister station, Newstalk 98.5, the talk of Acadiana. We'll take a time out, and when we return, Jacob Rudner joins us for a preview of Florida and LSU from the swamp right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're back here on Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 35 after the hour, and we are joined by Mr. Jacob Rudner, a beat writer for 247 Sports, who covers the Florida Gators as we preview LSU versus Florida tomorrow from the swamp. Jacob, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Good. Yeah. Thanks for having me back on guys. It's uh it's been a bit. So, you know, let, let's look at Florida had a big win over Utah to open the season and open the Billy Napier era, but have just kind of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, just kind of staggered along since then to a four and two record, you know, give me your thoughts on the first half of the season. Yeah, you know, honestly, guys, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It's kind of gone as bad as I had expected. I think that the win over Utah for Florida with a, you know, with a top 10 opponent, Utah comes in ranked number seven, uh, Florida gets an exciting last-minute win. I think that that might have uh, inaccurately inflated expectations for this team based on the caliber of the victory in a way that might not have been fair uh, for the players and especially for Billy Napier in his first year. Uh, I think that four and two. I think if you would ask any fan uh, prior to the season if they would have accepted four and two through six games, I think they would have said yes or something close to that. I think that the teams Florida has lost to is not desirable. 
uh, it's the first time since the 50s that this team dropped contest to Kentucky and Tennessee in the same season. And that's not the kind of history you want to make. But again, I think 4-2 and two overall is probably a decent place to be uh, in, in terms of who Florida has played and based on where it's at uh, from a program standpoint with a new coaching staff and an old roster. Now, you know, we look at Anthony Richardson, who, you know, dazzled in that season opener over, over Utah. He's had a strong start to the season statistically other than an interception problem. Uh, seven interceptions on the year with only four touchdowns. You know, grade, grade your quarterback. Florida's passing game has been very inconsistent to start the season. I think we've seen flashes of what Anthony Richardson can be. Uh, against Tennessee, he had an all-time performance. I mean, it ranks up there. Uh, actually, I believe it's the most single-game total yardage from any Florida player in program history. He had 515 total yards. Uh, but we've also seen contests like what he did against Kentucky, where he completed 14 passes of 35 attempts, became the first quarterback since 2016 at the University of Florida to fail to throw for, I believe, 150 yards while attempting more than 30 passes in the same game. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with confidence. I think that Anthony Richardson has been bottled up early in the games where he struggled, and it has caused him to be, whether it's inaccurate or just kind of off his game mentally, for the remainder of the contest, we haven't really seen him shake struggle very well and rebound later on in the contest. I think that that's been the big thing that's missing, maybe that maturity or the ability to kind of overcome hardship. Uh, it hasn't gone Florida's way, and if you're going to ask me to grade him, I'd say probably C-plus to B-minus at the moment. Uh, you know, maybe B-minus because some games have been really great, but I think the bats have been really low. Now, you know, you talked about the passing game being inconsistent. One thing that hasn't been inconsistent is Florida's rushing attack. Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne, Naquan Wright, and then you you have a rushing quarterback in Anthony Richardson. I mean, Trevor Etienne coming from, from our neck of the woods in Jennings, Louisiana, Montreal Johnson transferring from Louisiana, and a, and a native of New Orleans. I mean, had to have those two guys leading your rushing attack. I mean, just, just talk about that group. Uh, just, just spectacular performance from them overall. I think that uh, it has been everything that it was billed to be before the season with Montreal Johnson. Just a, an athletic guy, great field vision, uh, not afraid to make contact, and I think the same can really be said for his, you know, uh, state mate uh, Trevor Etienne, who's done exceptionally well at, at the same time. Uh, I would be interested to see Florida going forward potentially focus on those two guys a little bit more. Uh, interestingly, this week we saw Naquan Wright, who you mentioned, drop down on the depth chart. Uh, he is now listed as an an equal for that third running back spot with Lorenzo Lingard, who transferred to Florida a couple years ago as well. Uh, and I think that that is fascinating because we might be seeing a shift in Billy Napier's approach in terms of using three running backs, maybe paring that down a little bit to focus on the two Louisiana guys who have been fantastic, like you said. And I would just add before I, before I finish this response, huge credit goes to Florida's offensive line. I think that group has been exceptionally well prepared. You guys are familiar with Rob Sale and Darnell Stapleton. The two have teamed up to do an excellent job, I think, both in pass protection and, of course, on the ground. Uh, and, and I think that just bears mention as well. Yeah, Rob Sale and, and Darnell Stapleton, like you mentioned, fantastic coaches. Uh, I myself personally got, got familiar with them with their time in, in Lafayette. 
Another guy that, that came with Billy Napier and his regime from Lafayette, talk about Osiris Torrance, you know, kind of being the anchor of, of that O-line. I mean, there there's no doubt that he's, he could very well be a, a day one NFL draft selection. Just, an, just an, a supremely talented player, and I think that we've known that since the spring when he initially got to kind of show off everything that he's capable of. Uh, an athletic big man who is violent at the point of attack. He's sharp mentally in terms of the things that he does on the field in order to put himself in the best position to succeed. And I think a huge marker of those football smarts is the way that he seems to interact with his teammates. He's a leader. Uh, he tries to help put his teammates in the best position for them to succeed, not just himself. Uh, his performance so far this season has been tremendous. However, that anchor, as you called him, he might not play this week. Listed as questionable due to a lower body injury. If you ask me to guess right now if I thought Osiris Torrance was going to play against LSU, I'd probably lean towards no. We haven't heard wow. Billy Napier be the kind of guy who comes out and says, you know, he was limited this week, which was something that Billy Napier told us on Wednesday. Uh, we haven't seen guys really get precautionarily listed as questionable on the depth chart. And so just kind of reading between the lines and based on the tendencies through six weeks, I would probably guess he doesn't play. And now, granted, let me be clear, I haven't heard that for sure, but if I had to guess, that's what I'd say. I missed that completely. That's uh, that's massive news for Florida if Osiris Torrance does not suit up. You know, one guy flipping over the defense, we're chatting with Jacob Rudner of 247 Sports. Talk about Ventrell Miller. Uh, you know, Everyone knew going into the season the kind of player that he was. Uh, you really learned what kind of player he was when he missed some time with an injury. Uh, but now he's back 100% healthy and just dominating for this Florida defense under Corey Raymond. You know, just, just walk me through Ventrell and his season. Uh, another guy who I would kind of put into that special player category. That's the highest graded linebacker in the country right now, uh, according to PFF. Uh, so good and so mature in everything he does. You can tell uh, the difference, I would say, between when he is on the field and Florida's defensive product versus when he's off the field, when he missed a couple games due to a foot injury, uh, that USF contest. I think Florida's defense was noticeably different than when he's there, and it just makes it abundantly clear how much of an anchor this guy is. Uh, teammates have called him the quarterback of the defense, and I think he's actually executed upon that exceptionally well and is doing a lot for himself as a potential professional football player. I think that this is a guy whose injury history uh, might cast some doubt for professional scouts. He got hurt last year, missed the entire season, got hurt again this year, missed a game, uh, and was questionable for another, but still is playing so exceptionally well. Uh, and it's really hard to not feel good for the guy after he missed a year. This is his sixth year of college overall. Uh, and it seems that he's really kind of living up to that potential that people had set out for him years ago. Jacob, you know, we, we talked about the guys coming from Louisiana. Let's talk about Billy Napier now. Spent the last four years at the University of Louisiana, arguably the winningest coach in uh, program history. Maybe not from a number of wins, but just in his four years, the things that he was able to accomplish in Lafayette, now at Florida, you know, now that he's been there for 10 months, give me, give me your thoughts on, on Billy's time in Gainesville thus far. I really don't think that there's anything to complain about if you're a Florida fan or even a Billy Napier fan. I think that this has been a, as good a start, or maybe not as good a start as you could imagine, but I would say that it's been very solid. I think that he 
uh, is kind of reinventing the culture, which was in a really bad place when he took over of this football team. Uh, I think that he has done the right things in terms of trying his best to immediately strengthen and fix aspects of the player experience at Florida. Things like parking. I mean, we talked about that last time I was on the show with you guys. Just him taking the initiative to ensure that players can park without the risk of getting a ticket. And that goes a long way. Uh, I think that it has led to a level of buy-in from his players that Florida fans might not have seen in the waning stages of the Dan Mullen era, which is really important. And beyond that, I don't know that you could really expect much else from Billy Napier so far. This is Dan Mullen's roster. Uh, Florida fans, are they have to be aware that this was a team that struggled tremendously last year. There wasn't a lot of roster change, and I think Billy Napier is kind of working with what he has. And it's going to be interesting to see how these the second half of the year kind of unfolds, whether there are areas that they continue to improve in and how much so that really will measure his success by the end of the year. Now, Jacob, where do you see LSU being able to give Florida fits in this matchup? I just think Florida's defense has been too inconsistent so far through six games. And this is not the offense that you want to have miscues in your communication or alignment or gap integrity You can't have that with a guy like Jaden Daniels at quarterback who knows how to pick apart a team with his legs. He did it when he was at Arizona State frequently. He's still doing it as LSU's leading rusher this season. Uh, And Florida has struggled against those rushing-type quarterbacks. They have not stayed disciplined in their lanes. Uh, They've struggled along the line of scrimmage in terms of setting up a contain. Uh, I think that that has the potential to really be a problem for Florida because if it has to start to over-account for the run, it will take them out of pass coverage scenarios, and that actually could prove costly, in my opinion. And then, what do you, what do you like in this matchup for Florida? You know, I, I think that this is kind of an opportunity for Florida to really open things up offensively, even if Osiris Torrance doesn't play. Uh, its running backs have been fantastic, like we talked about. Lean on them. Get them the ball. Uh, we might see more of a two-man running back rotation, which I think Florida fans should be very excited about. If you're an LSU fan, that's probably something I'd keep an eye on. Uh, and then I'd be interested to see how Florida can do in its passing attack in this contest. Anthony Richardson has shown recent signs of potentially really consistently breaking out. Last week was not a pretty performance at all. But I do think that Florida has the potential to maybe open things up offensively in this game and at least kind of go punch for punch with LSU. Jacob, you know, give, as we wrap up, give me your thoughts on the keys to victory for, uh, for, for Florida. Yeah, key to victory is really just going to be be consistent with your offensive approach. Florida has to be able to kind of avoid those lulls that it's experienced throughout games so far this season. They scored just 17 points against Missouri last week offensively. That has to be markedly improved this week in terms of scoring potency. And then defensively, you have to be prepared for Jaden Daniels. He's going to run. He's going to try and cause problems for you through play action. They run a lot of RPO-style stuff that tries to get him into space. And if Florida's not prepared to defend against that, it's going to be a really long night in my opinion. And then what have your thoughts been on the recruits so far for Napier that he's pulled this season for 2023? It's actually funny you guys uh, ask about that. I was just talking about with somebody how I'm really impressed with what this team has done recruiting-wise. There was a period where it seemed like maybe things were not headed in the right direction, but like I had always been saying, that felt premature. Uh, 
they are doing a great job. They're bringing high-profile prospects on campus. This is a huge recruiting weekend for Billy Napier. Uh, they've got 22 commitments in the fold, rank eighth nationally in 2023 recruiting. That I really don't think you can ask for much more. Uh, we'll have to see, though, how these last couple months before early signing day play out. There are a couple big targets still on the table for Florida, but, but I would say to this point, very impressive. Jacob Rudner of 247 Sports covering the Florida Gators joins us here on Crunch Time. Jacob, appreciate your time as always. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, I'm sure we will talk to you soon down the line. Yep, looking forward to it, guys. I appreciate you having me back on. And there he goes, Jacob Rudner of 247 Sports. We'll take a time out, wrap up hour number one after this here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Just a couple minutes left before we finish up our number one. Hope you've enjoyed it so far. We've hit on LSU versus Florida. We recapped the Raging Cages from Wednesday. And then we also talked about the Mariners taking the 2-0 lead. There's the Astros taking the 2-0 lead over the Mariners so far. But one thing we haven't gotten to yet are those New Orleans Saints as they're about to be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals in the Caesar Superdome on Sunday. I mean, we got the injury report so far. A few people that are out right now are Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Jarvis Landry, Deontay Hardy, and then Peyton Turner for what, the gajillionth game in a row? I mean, we've got other people that are questionable like Chris Olave, Calvin Throckmorton, Paulson Adebo, and then you got Marcus May, Malcolm Roach, and Jameis Winston all questionable as well with Ramchek, Taysom Hill, and JT Gray who were limited in practice on Friday. So it's pretty interesting so far. While, of course, the opposing team, the Bengals, game status for them are just a couple of questionables and a couple of people that are up in the air like Lyle Collins, T. Higgins, and Jonah Williams when it comes to players that you're looking at for your fantasy teams. And one form of betting is fantasy, but another form that you could always do is betting on the game is betting on the NFL in general. And one of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payday. Perfect for Sunday's game. I have a quick parlay, and it's going to be Alvin Kamara anytime touchdown over on Joe Burrow's passing yards, and then an anytime Jamar Chase touchdown. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. You'll get fast withdrawals when you win. FanDuel will pay you your winnings fast, and then there's odd boosts and specials every day with some big super boosts each weekend around the biggest local and national matchups. There's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. I got one word to describe that Saints injury report. 
I can do it in one word, James. Let's hear it. Oof. <laughs> or as Ray would say, woof. That's, oh, God. I mean, I'm looking for a big game out of Jamar Chase because I have him in multiple fantasy leagues. But now that Marshawn's out, oh, God, Jamar might go for 203 touchdowns. Yeah, I feel that, especially with the fact that you saw other defensive backs. Like, you may not have Marcus May. He's questionable. But even then, Paulson and Bradley Roby and Justin Evans, as much as I love Justin Evans, he has struggled with the deep ball so far. He's he's paw ball. Oh, paw ball. He's paw ball. That is uh, that is that is rough. Um, so we'll get to our picks later. But I'm just gonna say that my pick has changed now that I've seen I've seen the injury report. Um, regardless, no matter what happens on the field, I'm excited to be there on Sunday. Um, so we'll talk about that in hour number two. But we'll start it off with Jake Crane and Jake's takes. Right here on the game, you're listening to Crunch Time on 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Don't go anywhere. A full second hour of Crunch Time after this right here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two here on a Friday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh coming to you here on Crunch Time. Matt coming to you from St. Martinville Senior High School. James back at Delta Media pushing all the buttons and making me look good, which I understand is a hard task because James appreciates you as always. It's time for Jake's takes with our guy Jake Crane of Crane and Company. Jake, what's going on, bud? How are you? Uh, doing great, guys. How are y'all doing? Uh, doing well on a Friday. So first I got to ask, uh, I'm seeing this on Twitter. Uh, you know, it, it's very custom that, that universities send care packages to their players in the NFL. Uh, however, Auburn's looks a little bleak. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I just tweeted it out. I mean, you you got guys. I mean, you look at what Alabama sends players. I mean, they send them, you know, half of a wardrobe. Uh, and, and everybody else, Georgia, LSU, USC, and then Auburn sends Darius Slay a box with a hat and, like, a, a shirt. And it's just it, – it, it seems like Auburn just – and I'm not blaming Harson for this. But, like, there was no way this would ever fly with, like, Nick Saban and them because they're all about those details because they know it affects recruiting. So it's just a bad look. It just, again, for some reason, Auburn just overlooks the details sometimes that are necessary when you're at this level. Yeah, that's uh, – I've seen videos – you talked about Alabama. I've seen videos with um, – Isaac Rochelle from the Cleveland Browns who went to Notre Dame. And, man, the, the box that – I mean, it's it's a TV box. Oh, it's and unbelievable. Just I mean, the down box gear. was a shoe box. Yeah, it, it's – yeah, that's that's bad. Anyways, um, last night, Thursday night football game between the Commanders and the Bears, Al Michaels made a comment that has kind of set some people off. He, he said that it was time for, for Dan Snyder to sell the Commanders. Do you agree? 
Look, I, I, I'm a firm believer in you got to prove things. I mean, you, you can, I don't think you can just say the word toxic and all of a sudden just make somebody have to sell, you know, a franchise that they own. I think they have to prove it. Not saying it didn't happen, but they have to prove it. And look, Dan Snyder just – and, and it, it's weird with billionaires because they just live in, like, a different world than what we do. Like, what's normal to us I don't think is normal to them. I mean, he's hired all these private investigative firms to – supposedly dig up dirt on owners and Roger Goodell, which I'll be honest with you, I hope he has dirt on Goodell. I mean, Goodell's just the worst. Uh, but the NFL continues to be the biggest soap opera of all time. But why does Al Michaels need to say that? Like, look, Al Michaels, you've been calling games for a long time, man. We respect it. You do a good job. But, like, I don't need your opinion on that. Like, I, I don't think anybody last night watching that game was like, wait a minute, Al Michaels said he should sell the team? Well, I'm for sure he should sell the team. I just like, how about you just call the game? How about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. Definitely interested to see how that Dan Snyder scenario plays out over the coming months. In your opinion, was last night's game better than last week's? Well, I mean, they scored a – there was a touchdown scored. So, yeah, I mean, I, I will say, talking about Allen Kirk, I do actually almost feel bad for him. Uh, it's out of their control. It's just – and Tom Brady said it best when they asked him the question about what he's seeing, you know, from the Buccaneers and in the NFL. He's like, I'm seeing a lot of bad football. Well, there's a lot of, of teams offensively that are very challenged right now, and that's probably the lightest way that I could put that. Uh, it's just one of those years in the NFL, and, and I'm sure it'll get better, and it's unfortunate uh, for Amazon at least, but I'm not, I don't feel sorry for Jeff Bezos. I mean, he's made $12 billion since I've been on this interview, so I think he'll be okay. Uh, but I think it's just how the dice rolls when you have to schedule stuff before the season. Talking about the playoffs for MLB, you know, the Astros took a 2 nothing lead yesterday. The Guardians and Angels, Braves and Phillies played today. I know you're a big Atlanta Braves guy. Uh, the playoffs have been great up to this point. Yeah, they've been fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, the Braves are uh, getting pounded by the Phillies right now, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, it's really a great start to the uh, rest of my Friday. Uh, but, you know, ha- having said that, it's it's been really good. And, uh, you know, some people I, I, I've talked to, uh, you know, don't like the, the amount of parity there is in baseball, as crazy as that sounds. I think that, that's what makes it unique. I'll tell you what, too, I, I like this playoff format way better. Uh, I like the three-game wildcard series. I, I think they've got it just right, and I hope they keep this format for the foreseeable future. And then looking over you to know, the hardwood, I mean, NBA's about to start. What are your early thoughts? Oh, man, uh, you know, the regular season's probably going to be like every NBA regular season. Guys play hard for about three quarters, and then they doesn't really start turning up until the playoffs. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think the Lakers are, are going to be bad again. I just don't see how Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, it's like oil and water. They, they both have to be ball dominant. Uh, Russell Westbrook way more than LeBron. Uh, I just don't think Westbrook and, and LeBron's a good mix out there in L.A., and it's just a matter of time before Anthony Davis you know, hurts his foot or something and's out for like six years. So uh, I don't think the Lakers are going to work out. But I'm interested to see the Grizzlies, an up-and-coming team that's made some moves too with John them over there. Uh, I'm very interested to watch the Brooklyn Nets fall apart. That's going to be fun again. And then uh, the Pelicans with Zion. You know, can he stay healthy? Uh, they had a really good squad last year when he was hurt. You know, obviously adding him, it should help. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, and then you were talking about the Lakers. I mean, they were also talking about trying Russell Westbrook as on the bench and having him come off there instead of having him be a starter. You can't. I don't think him and LeBron can be on the court at the same time. It just yeah. doesn't work. Like it just really doesn't work. Russell Westbrook is not an off-ball guard. 
everything that Russell Westbrook does, he has to have the ball. It's just how it is. And LeBron obviously has to have the ball. So uh, I, I just, again, maybe bringing him in when LeBron's not in there, I don't know how that'll work with him because obviously his, his ego's pretty big as well. But uh, it'll be a train wreck at some point. It's just a matter of time. All right, Jake, let's make some picks. Uh, let's start with a game that really, really interests me, and it's uh, it's Arkansas and BYU. Uh, well, you know, I wish this game – you look at this game before the year and, and before, our, you know, the triage tent hit Arkansas from an injury standpoint, especially on defense. You know, we were billing this as, as a, a huge matchup, and now it would have added to another weekend full of huge matchups, the biggest one we've had in a while when it comes to top teams playing each other in, in the same weekend. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a very physical game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's pretty low scoring. Uh, BYU, in my opinion, is a little bit better through the air with some of the weapons that they have uh, with Romney and Pico Nakua. Christopher Brooks is a really good back. Arkansas is going to have to be able to run the ball and control the clock, uh, especially the way KJ's been kind of beat up and back and forth. So uh, I think it's going to be a low scoring physical game, uh, and that's why it's a pick em. Uh, it just uh, BYU's at home. I think you got to give them the edge. How do you think it'll go for UNC and Duke? Well, you know the thing is, can North Carolina make enough three pointer? Oh, you're talking about football. Um, uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's it is a rivalry game, so that throws a wrench in there. I think UNC's a seven point favorite, uh, but Drake may and them have to go ball every weekend because the defense is absolutely terrible. Uh, and, and he has balled. He's the best freshman quarterback in the country, in my opinion. Uh, I, I like UNC to win this game, but Duke's going to be able to score. I think the over-unders are like 67.5 or something like that. I think it'll be a tight game, high-scoring game, uh, but I think North Carolina finds a way and, and moves to 6-1 and, and, and stays in charge in the Coastal. Auburn and Ole Miss. How badly does Ooh. Ole Miss beat up on Auburn? I mean, look, uh, Ole Miss, I think, 14-and-a-half. I don't think you'd be crazy to buy him down to 13-and-a-half. But I'll tell you, a player prop that you need to take if it's still there, Robbie Ashford rushing yards over 44-and-a-half, I would jump all over that like a fat kid in a Pop-Tart. Like, I would jump all over that. Uh, I just don't see a way in which Auburn's going to be able to, to score enough points. Defensively, Auburn will put up a fight. Jackson Dart, the quarterback at Ole Miss, has struggled seeing linebackers in pass coverage. But Auburn just doesn't have the cats up front on the offensive line. But, like, they're not able to get anything going. And, and the passing game is, is like, you know, going through somebody learning to hook on phonics. Like, one minute you're like, you got it. And then the next minute you're like, you definitely don't got it. So uh, it just is what it is. And then one that feels like it could underperform maybe is Penn State and Michigan. What, what do you mean underperform? <laughs> well, to me, I don't know. This one just feels like it's going to be an underwhelming game. And I feel like this one's going to be a fist fight. I mean, these two teams, they're like the Spider-Man gif pointing at each other. Uh, it's going to come down to who's going to be able to throw the ball better. Penn State's got a really talented secondary with Joey Porter Jr. Michigan, while there is questions about the secondary, they got some guys up front that can put a lot of pressure on Sean Clifford, even though the offensive line for Penn State has been kind of punching above their weight for a couple weeks now. Uh, I think this is going to be a close slugfest game. Penn State is not going to let Blake Corum beat them. So it's going to come down to whether J.J. McCarthy can make the throws. He's one of the most accurate passers in the country right now. But honestly, outside of Maryland, they've really just played a bunch of jamboree games up until this point. So uh, I think this game may end up being the best game on the slate outside of of possibly Oklahoma State, TCU, and obviously Alabama, Tennessee. Chatting with Jake Crane here. Look at Kansas OU. You just mentioned it. Um, K-8 
Kansas, you know, getting their first loss of the year last week. Oklahoma struggling mightily in Big 12 play. Who you got in this one? I think Oklahoma was getting Dylan Gabriel back. Uh, I think they'll find a way to win this one. The problem with Oklahoma is they just don't have a lot of speed at the linebacker in the secondary position. I mean, TCU is hitting more home runs than Aaron Judge against them. I mean, just go back and watch the tape. Uh, you know, Josh Bean has done some things for Kansas. I mean, you saw what he was able to come in and do and, and keep them in the game. He played a lot last year, uh, so I don't think they're going to be totally inept on offense. But I, I do think Oklahoma at the end, I, I think they're. Pl- I think Oklahoma's a nine-point favorite. It's, it's a weird spread right now. Uh, I, I do think Oklahoma finds a way to win, but I would not be shocked if they didn't cover. And then, you know, the, the, the matchup of the week, the one that everyone's talking about, two undefeateds in the SEC. It's been 15 years since Tennessee last beat Alabama. Can they do it tomorrow? I think they've got their best chance they've had in a long time. Uh, I think, it, you know, in the past, Tennessee would have to play really well and hope Alabama played bad. I actually think if Tennessee plays well and Alabama plays well, Tennessee can still win. Bryce Young, I think, is going to play. Uh, he, I, he's he got to be a little – nobody's ever 100%. You, you, I was – I haven't been 100% since the day I was born. All right, nobody has. So that's a fake number. How healthy is he really going to be with that shoulder? You know he's obviously not going to want to run a lot. Obviously when they show pressure, they're going to want to get the ball out quick. So you kind of know some things that will happen if he does play, which I think he will. Uh, But I, man, I tell you, I'm going back and forth. And everybody's buying into the Tennessee hype, right? Everybody, Tennessee's going to win. Tennessee's going to win. But I do think, guys, Tennessee wins. I think they win. Um, I think they find a way to do it because they got all the pieces. And and their weakness, which is the secondary due to injuries and other things, uh, with Alabama, you know, the wide receiver core hadn't been great. I know they're getting Tyler Harrell back. They're getting JoJo Earl back. But I just think Tennessee finds a way to win the game tomorrow. And then looking at it, we've got uh, TCU and Oklahoma State, a game where probably not going to see a lot of defense. No, you would think that, which means it'll be a 17-14 game. Uh, you know, Spencer Sanders has a ton of experience. He's a really good player for Oklahoma State. Does a lot of things. Uh, he's improved as a passer this year. Uh, it's, you can tell he, he's, he's got a better feel for it in the passing game. He's always been a really good runner. But I tell you what, man, I look at TCU. you got, you got a guy in Max Duggan that's figured it out. And you have a receiving core that is elite. The offensive line is good enough to run it when you need to and protect Max Duggan when they have to. Uh, but that receiving core, I mean, Johnson is absolutely unbelievable. If you got, if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen TCU play, what, when you do watch them, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. They're wide receivers. They've got everything. They've got tall guys that can run and jump. They've got little witches running around there. Hell, I think they got an Ewok on there running around, uh, just making plays all the time. So uh, I like TCU to win this game. I think it is going to be high scoring. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right, let's roll through a couple more. NC State, Syracuse. Man, I like NC State in this game. Everybody's like, Devin Leary's not going to play. But then you look, and the backup came in and looked like Tom Brady there in the last three drives. So I think this, as crazy as it sounds, maybe a little shot in the arm for NC State. Syracuse, Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker, Dino Babers, the head coach, what they've done there, it's been a great story. But so was Hansel and Gretel, and we all know what happened to them. So I like NC State to win this game. They're a three-and-a-half-point dog on the road a lot because of that backup quarterback. But that defense, uh, I don't think Syracuse is going to be able to run the ball a lot, which means it's going to be on Schrader's shoulders against a secondary that's really, really talented. I think NC State finds a way, scores enough points, and wins by a field goal. Clemson, Florida State. Man, this one, uh, look, 
Florida State's a weird team. Jordan Travis has kind of cracked the code a little bit this year. Uh, he's way more efficient with the ball. He's actually able to make positive plays when he gets outside the pocket and the play breaks down and it's a scramble drill. Johnny Wilson outside's an absolute uh, alien. I mean, he's a guy that can go against Louisville. He single-handedly beat Louisville with the backup quarterback in there, uh, the Rodemaker kid. I, I think Clemson is good enough, though. They're more balanced this year. DJ use looks like he's figured it out. Now, if he regresses, who knows? That first half against Boston College was, was ugly as hell. I mean, it was like a like a like uh, like getting a bunch of twos and having a beauty pageant. It was just ugly. It didn't work. Uh, but in the second half, they figured it out. Uh, if you look, the game against Wake Forest, he was really good through the air, finding matchups. Uh, they had to go beat NC State. The game was a lot different. He used his legs. Uh, so at the end of the day, I think Clemson does win this game. But Florida State, if they can make it ugly and they can avoid big penalties, will have a chance in the end. But give me DJU and uh, uh, Will Shipley. Mississippi State, Kentucky. Uh, it could be a bloodbath. Uh, I just think, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Road Trip, but you know the part when he when they come in the room and Tom Green has the rat and he's like held it over the snake and because he, he's feeding the snake and he looks at him, he's like, this is going to be a bloodbath. I literally think it could be that bad. Uh, Will Levis being out last week, you know, it looked like the Eddie Grand days back at Kentucky. Kentucky's just not an explosive offense without Wondell Robinson right now. The T. Robinson kid, the freshman, has a chance to be really special. Chris Rodriguez, the bowling ball full of knives rolling at you. Uh, but at the end of the day, they, they have to be methodical. They, they have to go 8 to 10, 10 to 11 plays. Will Levis has to make two great plays on third down to extend drives. They're not able to hit home runs. Mississippi State has been really hot in the first half when Kentucky's actually struggled. Kentucky hadn't scored first against an FBS opponent all year. Mississippi State's really hot right now. And, guys, in all actuality, Mississippi State should be undefeated. They handed that game to LSU, which, at the end of the day, I mean, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Uh, I just think Will Rogers and, and that experienced offense with a defense uh, led by the young D.C. Zach Arnett, who's one of the top in the country. He won't be a D.C. for long. I think Mississippi State wins this one handily. USC, Utah. Well, I mean, if Cameron Rising can stop turning the ball over, Utah uh, will win some of these games, especially in clutch moments. You know, against UCLA, they were in a shootout, uh, and he fumbled twice going in the score, and he also ran it in twice going in the score. So uh, Utah's got their backs against the wall. Uh, you look at USC, uh, they lead the country in some defensive categories, which is great, but I think it's a little bit of fool's gold. They've had you know, more gifts given to them than a, uh, a kid that lives at the North Pole. I mean, it's, it's just reality when you watch the tape. Against the run, I still don't trust them in that offensive line. Even though they have Caleb Williams and Mario Williams and apparently everybody that's good at football, good at football with the last name Williams, uh, I think Utah's more physical. I think they're at home. I think their backs are against the wall. I like Utah to win this game because Cameron Rising doesn't turn it over. And then last college game before we get to a couple of NFL ones, LSU and Florida. Ew, gross. Don't touch it if you're betting. <laughs> trying to figure try, trying to figure out who Florida is is like trying to find the snuffle up against. It's just not you're not gonna know. Like like you might as well not even bet them. Just don't even bet them. With LSU, at least you know who LSU is a little bit. At least yeah. you know Jay Daniels is still absolutely horrified to throw the ball down the field. It's like he it's it's like the the movie The Big Green when the goalie keeps every time the soccer ball's dribbling enemy sees like a, a cavalry of knights or like a bunch of ghosts or zombies. Every time Jay Daniels sees somebody down the field, he just pan, panics every single time, which is called LSU that they can't hit big plays. Because they're just hoping inside zone or power or counter goes for a big play. And maybe, you know, Malik Neighbors or Wolto is slant to Kayshawn Boutte that he'll run for 70 yards. So until they start pushing the ball down the field, they're going to continue to struggle to score. 
you know, I think Florida at home finds a way. This game is, is probably going to be really ugly. I think LSU is good enough on defense to contain Anthony Richardson somewhat. But at what point does that LSU defense start to realize how bad the offense is? Not that they're not all in or bought in. It's just a natural human thing. At some point it happens. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And then moving towards the NFL, Saints-Bengals. Uh, is it, Where is this game at? Is it in New Orleans? It's in New Orleans. You know, the offensive line is still a problem for the Bengals. Uh, I, I do feel like, though, like Jamar Chase coming back home, I, I think the Bengals are going to find a way to win this one because I don't think Taysom Hill is going to be able to, to, you know, road to glory his way in this game. Like He was literally like the road to glory player you made on NCAA 14 last game where he was just running it in, throwing it in, played nine positions. I don't think he's going to be able to do that against the Bengals. Uh, I think the Bengals win the game. Vikes Dolphins. Well, I mean, the Dolphins basically have an Eagle Scout at quarterback. He just, you know, he's just nice the whole time, and somehow he fell into this. Um, I think the Vikings are too explosive on offense, and I know that's crazy to say when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and Mike Jasicki and all these guys in, uh, on the same unit, but just the quarterback position. I, I just think they're so limited. Uh, eventually, gravity is going to take effect. Kirk Cousins, he's not playing on Monday, so they're obviously going to play well. Uh, Justin Jefferson continues to just be an absolute savage. Adam Thielen, uh, a.k.a. Haru, the great white ninja, is, is having a decent year. Uh, as a fantasy owner, I wish he'd kind of turn up a little bit. You know, I'd appreciate it, bud. But uh, I'll get the Vikings here. The One of the two games of the week, how about the Bills and the Chiefs? Oh, well, we all know what happened the last time these two teams played. I mean, it's one of those games that, you know, my kids' kids will be watching on NFL films and, like, you know, in a flying car through some sort of, like, virtual reality thing. Um, it's a tough one because, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills and that offense, and by the way, if they end up actually getting Christian McCaffrey, you might as well wrap this thing up and send it down the river. But I think the Bills and Josh Allen, I think they're still obviously pissed off from last year. I feel like the defense will step up enough. Uh, Travis Kelsey just continues to to do incredible things at the tight end position. He, he has such an advantage on the inside, the way that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy use him. Uh, but I think the Bills find a way through physicality and getting after the passer uh, to win this one. And then last one for you, Sunday Night Football, Cowboys and Eagles. Look, hashtag rush hour. Um, no, but I – I like the Eagles in this one. They, they did the smartest thing that a, a GM and organization could possibly do. They're like, hey, I got a great idea. How about we make a team out of Georgia and Alabama players? What a brilliant idea. Just what an absolutely fantastically brilliant idea. It's so obvious. Uh, the Cowboys, the defense is what's been leading them. Cooper Rush has, has been a really good story. He hasn't been the difference. He just hasn't been the reason, which is all you can ask from a backup quarterback. Uh, the way they're running the ball with Zeke and Tony Pollard obviously looks good. But I just think the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, he's just figuring it out. He just, he just gets better each week. That running element, people have still not found a way to keep that under control. Uh, the Eagles on the defensive line are, are obviously really good. I know the Cowboys on the offensive line have been traditionally good, but you're starting a, a, a young guy at left tackle. I think the Eagles find a way to get after Cooper Rush enough and score enough points with Jalen Hurts on the ground to be able to win this one. Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company, joining us each and every Friday for Jake's Takes. Jake, appreciate you each and every week, bud. We'll do it again next Friday. All right, man. Y'all be good. And there he goes. Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company 
on the Daily Wire. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest, where the public is the judge. And, of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October 29th from 9 to 3 at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 337-331-6352 or visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. Take a time out when we return. James and I will make our picks for the weekend right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using promo code KLWB. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to even player props. And with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started, and then you get pager winnings fast. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is novel drop with free bets expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. All right, James. Let's get ready to make our picks for the games this weekend. And, you know, we'll start with college football. You know, we talked about Arkansas, BYU. Do college this segment and then NFL next segment? Yeah. Okay. Um, You know, we talked about Arkansas, BYU with Jake. You know, this game is tricky. Um, BYU, I'm going to say BYU solely because they're at home. Yeah, you, I, t- I I had talked about this with Jordy on his show, and it's it's a common rule of mine. It's like, look, if it's a pretty even matchup overall, I lean towards the home team. But when you look at the spread, and I feel like I'm more of an SEC person, I got to lean towards the, the Razorbacks on this one. They're only a one-point underdog on most sports books. Yep. Um, that'll be an interesting game. Tomorrow, uh, Duke UNC. No, they're not on a basketball court. Yes, <laughs> they're both pretty decent at football as well. Um, and man, North Carolina's rocking some pretty uniforms. If you haven't seen them, uh, they're wearing a they're wearing a chrome helmet with their alternate foot logo. Pretty solid. Um, give me the Tar Heels in this one. Yeah, I'm feeling the Tar Heels on this one as well. It feels like they've been doing really good so far. You usually do see this as a basketball matchup as a premier one, but for me overall, I'm going to have to take North Carolina. All right, Auburn, Ole Miss. Um, this is going to be a bloodbath. Ole Miss at home. They're a 15-point favorite in this one. Uh, 
I don't know that I would take 15. I would probably try to buy it down, like Jake said, to 13 and a half. But uh, give me Ole Miss easily. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm taking Ole Miss. I just almost wonder, are we going to see this become a one-score game or are we going to see this become a three-score game? You never know, right? You really don't because it's, 15 is a scary number at that point. It is. And, you know, with the SEC, you just never know. Auburn could show up and play the game of their lives and shock Ole Miss. I mean, you, you, just, you never know what's going to happen. Um, Penn State-Michigan, top ten matchup. From the big house in Ann Arbor, you know, I like Sean Clifford as the quarterback of Penn State. However, I I think Michigan might just have, you know, too much talent. Uh, Michigan's defense really only giving up 250 yards a game while their offense is getting 460. Give me Michigan. Yeah. For me, usually, and this is overall in a general case, I mean, Michigan – when it comes to a big-time matchup, Jim Harbaugh always seems to find a way to screw it up. Always seems to find a way. But this one doesn't feel like one of those big-time matchups. I don't know if that's just because it's an 11 a.m. kickoff or what, but overall, I feel like with that being the case, I got to lean towards the Wolverines with this one. Kansas, Oklahoma. Oklahoma has been atrocious. Kansas you know, just suffered that loss to... TCU, it's in Norman, which I think helps Oklahoma a little bit. The biggest question is going to be, does Dylan Gabriel play? If Dylan Gabriel plays, I think Oklahoma has a real chance in this game. Otherwise, you know, I'll put air quotes on it, but give me Kansas in the upset. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not touching Oklahoma again after I thought they would at least have a chance in the Red River rivalry. Red River (laughs) rivalry. It, it wasn't even close. Yeah. It wasn't even a rivalry at all with that game. They lost by 49. Couldn't even score. They I'm got, done with Oklahoma. Give me, the, sl- give me a rock chalk, Jayhawk. They got slapped around. Oklahoma State, TCU. I'm going to lean towards the home team with this one and take the Horn Frogs. I like I like their quarterback yeah. just a little bit more. Same. Same. NC State, Syracuse. Mm, that one's uh, – I think I'm going to take uh, State with that one. Oh, give me Syracuse. It's a home game for the Q's. Garrett Schrader's having a good year. Uh, Dino Neighbors is a great coach. I'm, I'm going Syracuse in this one. Clemson, Florida State. Can Florida State, you know, ruffle ruffle some feathers at home in Tallahassee? Would be really interesting, but for me, it's hard for me to go against Clemson. They all they That's always fair. find ways to win, and this one doesn't feel like one of those times that they lose. So that's I, fair. That's I, fair. I think they win by about a touchdown, maybe a little bit more. Mississippi State, Kentucky. This one can get ugly. Give me the Bulldogs. I'm taking the Bulldogs as well. Will Rogers going crazy as yeah. five names. I don't know what she's doing right now. She just got into the studio. Well, you know, she's she's always up to something. She's, she's doing uh, five USC. Names. Yeah, right. USC and Utah. From Salt Lake City, Cam Rising versus Caleb Williams, a battle of two great quarterbacks. This one's this one's strange. <laughs> yeah, that one that one's fair to say the least. I think if if I had to pick a team, I know I've gone Utah a lot, but I'm gonna lean towards the Trojans with this one. Really? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Trojans on a limb. 
I know All it's right, at home Alabama. for the Utes, but I'll take the Trojans. I'm going to go Utah in that one. Alabama, Tennessee. It's been 15 years since Tennessee has beaten Alabama. The last time it happened, the iPhone wasn't even a thing, and now we're on number 14. Um, <laughs> can, Tennessee, can Tennessee get it done? I'm, my general rule, never go against Alabama, no matter the case, but I don't know, man. I really like what Hendon Hooker's been doing this year. I'm gonna, I'm oh, gonna I'm, take I'm the volunteers. I'm picking Tennessee. But it feels like with everybody picking um, Tennessee, if you want to go out over there and potentially get a free bet and get a free win, take Alabama since everyone wants to go Tennessee at this point. Everyone's on the hype train. Yeah, uh, the spread's eight. That's high. Um, even if Bama wins, I think that's high. Obviously, the question mark is is does Bryce Young play and how healthy is he? Um, if he's fully healthy, I, I think Bama wins. If he's not, I think Tennessee wins. I think that's the that's the X factor in this one. And lastly, you'll hear this game right here on the game pregame at four. Kickoff is at six. LSU and Florida in the swamp. To me, I mean, LSU's been able to win by the skin of their teeth the last two years with some crazy calls. And some crazy things that just went their way. I think third time to charge for Florida. They're finally able to get it done. It's at home in Gainesville. I think this is one of those times when a lot of people who were pro Billy Napier that wanted him to go to LSU. It's going to be like, look, see what happened. See what you could have had. But now, but you have Brian Kelly. Not to say I don't like Brian Kelly and what he's, what he's capable of doing. But I was one of those people that was saying, if you... Or smart, you go get Napier and you put him in Baton Rouge. I don't care if he was the coach for little brother. As much as I love and respect Billy Napier, there were two downfalls to his game. Number one, his play calling struggled at times. Number two, he didn't have the greatest time management skills. I think both of those issues come back to bite him tomorrow. LSU wins a close one. Fair enough. LSU wins a close one. Before we take a timeout, it is time for you to warm up your dancing legs for the official run and duathlon of Festival Acadien et Creole. Race through Lafayette's historic district and end up at Girard Park for the festival this Sunday. You can compete in the 5K, 10K, or the duathlon. Taking part in the event helps support local parks, community projects, and the festival that we all love. Volunteer or register at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. We'll take a time out when we return. James and I will make our NFL picks before giving you a high school preview of the weekend right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Back here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 543 after the hour. James, let's look at some NFL games now, and we will start with the black and gold at home against Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, going into today, I certainly thought that the Saints had a shot, but now that the final injury report has come out, I think I'm going to have to change my pick. You're going with the Bengals? Uh, I think you have to. I don't think you have to. I think it'd probably be wise, but 
I, I'm gonna stick with it, and I'm gonna stick with the black and gold on this one, even though I know back against the walls, they're still at home, and I feel like with that pass rush, if you can get to that, if you can get to Joe Burrow in time, you won't necessarily be able to get those deep shots to Jamar Chase. That's that's cute. That's cute. Um, but no, I mean you're you're right. If the Saints can develop a pass rush, I think that gives them a, a much better chance than you know if they if they don't. Obviously, uh, I just I think missing Marshawn Lattimore and you know on the defensive side, and then you look at the offensive side, you're missing your top three wide receivers in Deontay Hardy. Marcus, uh, Michael Thomas, and Jarvis Landry. I just think it's too much for for the Saints to overcome. Um, James Winston's probably not going to play either. Uh, there's just there's just a lot of issues that the Saints are going to have to overcome. We'll see if they have Chris Olave as well. Um, yeah, give me the Bengals here in this one. The other one I'm looking at. How about the Vikings and the Dolphins? The Vikings off to a four and one start this year. Excuse me. <laughs> The Vikings, I mean, you never know. it. I mean, they're a high-powered offense. They're actually focused on the off the offense this time instead of supposedly being focused on defense when their head coach uh, can't coach his way out of a paper bag. But I, well, th- I think with this is an intriguing matchup since, you know, Dolphins. Uh, I haven't – I don't think two is going to be back yet, and jury's no. still out on Teddy Bridgewater whether he'll play. I think even though it's going to be in Miami, I think you still got to lean towards Vikings on this one. Yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings in this one as well. Um, you know, again, not having two, I think, is a big blow. Uh, so I just don't think that the Dolphins will be able to, to make enough plays down the stretch to get that one done. How about the game of the week, your, re, your rematch of the AFC divisional round that, that really came down to a coin toss, the Bills and the Chiefs. Pat Mahomes versus Josh Allen, uh, you, you will not be able to change my mind. That's the top two quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Uh, you know, this one's going to be fun in Kansas City on, on Sunday afternoon. James, who you got? I lean towards the Chiefs. Uh, I think that the Bills are going to be able to make their – they're going to get their revenge at some point. I think it will be in the playoffs when it really matters. But for right now, I'm taking Kansas City in a close one. Yeah, you know, th- this game's interesting. You know, last year, obviously, Kansas City getting the win on the, you know, like we talked about on the coin toss, they went down the field and, and got the points. This game, everybody talks about how good the Bills are this year, and I don't disagree. Um, I-, I think Josh Allen has one of those career games this Sunday, and uh, I think the Bills get it done. That's fair. So... And then our last matchup, Cooper Rush playing the Eagles. The Eagles are 5-0 and on the year, while the Cowboys are 4-1. and Sunday night football, the Eagles look like they're just a little bit too much for the Cowboys. But in your opinion, can Cooper Rush keep this Cinderella story going? I think the clock strikes midnight for her. I'm gonna, I think Cooper Rush has done a damn good job. He's been very serviceable. He's going to earn himself a paycheck for his next team after this season. But I think it ends tonight. Eagles, to me, they're just way too good. I don't know how I feel about that minus six spread towards Philly, but I still will take the Eagles at Lincoln Field. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I'm going to go Cowboys. And I hate to do that because I hate the Cowboys. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know that I'm sold on the Eagles yet. If they win this game, you know, my opinion changes and I, and I, you know, I might start to buy into the Eagles hype a little bit, but the way they're playing, I just, I don't know. I, I think the Cowboys might be able to get it done, especially with that defense, you know, Micah Parsons and, and Trayvon Diggs. I think they could make some plays down the back stretch and, and do just enough on offense to, to get the win in that one. Hop on the bandwagon. Come on. Hop on the bandwagon. Yep. Absolutely. We'll take Oh my God. Oh my God. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show after this right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Now with those picks that we had just made a couple minutes ago, take those and run with it and bet. And one place you can bet on them with is on FanDuel because one of the best places to bet on the NFL with new players or game props is on FanDuel Sportsbook because you'll be able to combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for Sunday's game with the Bengals and Saints as I'll have Alvin Kamara for an anytime touchdown, the overall Joe Burrow's passing yards, and then an anytime touchdown for Jamar Chase. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. They have fast withdrawals when you win, and FanDuel will pay you your winnings fast. There's odd boosts and specials every day with some super big boosts each weekend over the biggest local and national matchups. There's no feeling like nailing a same game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $150 in free bets, win or lose with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parish is only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that will expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. A couple more minutes here in today's show. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 55 after the hour, James, let's run through the high school games that are going to play on our family of stations tonight. STM will be at Northside. You can catch that one right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette. Barb is at Nish. You can catch that one on 104.1 Lake Charles. Acadiana will host John Curtis. What a game that's going to be, huh? On uh, on 97.7 Meet TV, Karen Crow. Took down Como last night. Sulphur at Southside. That's the one that I am at. You can catch that one on Mustang 107.1 with myself and Stevie P. And then the St. Landry Parish game of the week tonight is Sacred Heart of Villeplatte at St. Edmunds. All those games, with the exception of STM, Barb, and Acadiana, will begin at pregame at 645, kickoff at 7. Acadiana, Barb, and STM pregame is at 630, with kickoff set for 7. James, any final thoughts on the weekend before we head on out? I'm jealous that you'll be at the Saints game, and I won't. You already got to go to one. I know, but I wanted to go to another. 
Oh my God! You'll have you'll have plenty of chances. It's only week six. <laughs> I know, but it was it's only it's the Bengals. It's Joe Burrow. It's Jamar Chase. It's Andy Dalton. Another revenge game. Gonna go three and zero against the Bengals. And that's exactly why I'm going. It's gonna be a great time, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest for today, Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company, joining us for Jake's Takes each and every Friday, as well as Jacob Rudner of 247 Sports for giving us a preview of LSU and Florida. That game, once again, 6 o'clock tomorrow. Pre-game is at 4, and you can catch it right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. That's going to do it for this Friday edition of Crunch Time. For James Mesh, I am Matt Miguez reminding you to be safe, be well, give a big old hug to your mom and them, and we will talk to you on Monday, same time, same station, 4 to 6, each and every weekday right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. Turn it over to my man James Mesh with the game's prep report coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles.